Let's spend some time in prayer together. Father God, we come into your presence so aware of our, our frailty, yet overwhelmed by your love that you have for us. Lord, I thank you that there's no human experience that we might walk through where your love can't reach us. If we climb to the highest mountain, you are there. Yet if we find ourselves in the darkest, deepest valley, you are there. Lord, teach us to trust in you and love you more. Help us to rest in you that we could experience your love. Help us to have faith like a child. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Don't you love early 90s country? That's for you, miners. That's the Alabama band right there. And <laughs> you guys are clapping for them. All right, that's awesome. But they have that song, In a Hurry. We're in a hurry to get things done. And we rush and rush. And do you ever find yourself in a hurry? Do you ever find yourself rushing? Do you ever find your schedule full of things, going to one thing after another after another? Do you ever find yourself really, really busy? Well, this morning, as we go through the study of Mark that we've been doing all year long, we're getting to the point now where we get to see Jesus stopping. And that's the point for this morning, is that Jesus stopped. And I really struggle with this. If there's one person in this room that needs to hear this message, it is me. I struggle with stopping, and I struggle with literal stopping, too. I'm one of those California rollers, California stoppers to the stop sign. I thought it was appropriate on Local Hero Sunday for me to share this story. So any police officers out there, I'm really sorry. Okay, What, what happened to me was uh, about a year ago, uh, as I was practicing my California stopping like I normally do, get up to the stop sign, kind of just roll through it. There's no cars coming, no problem, right? Uh, well, I did it this time, and there was a police officer right there. And so he lit me up, and I had my kids in the car, and my boys thought it was the coolest thing ever. Like, Dad, you're getting pulled over. And uh, at the time, I had some of those knives that we gave as a gift in my car. And I thought, at what point do I give this knife to this police officer? I don't want to do it before because then he thinks I'm going to bribe him. I, I didn't know what to do. But he came up to the car, and my boys are celebrating in the back. My daughter is absolutely mortified. She cannot believe that her dad got pulled over. And of course, when he came to the window, I knew exactly what I got pulled over for. I tried to be real polite to him, and he was overly gracious to me and just gave me a warning, which at that point I gave him a knife, and um, we, went, we went on our way, so I thought. Well, I learned uh, that day that when you get pulled over, all your information goes out to all the units that are on, on duty at the time, and being a pastor at Good News Church where there's lots of people here, there's lots of police officers here, so I didn't hear the end of that forever. I learned that if you're a pastor that drives a yellow car like I do, you can't get away with anything. There's a lot of accountability, but I have a hard time stopping in my car. I have a hard time stopping in my life, just rushing from one thing to another. Lots of things to get done, lots of schedules to, to, to fulfill, lots of meetings to go to, lots and lots of things. We're in a hurry to get things done over and over. And that's why we have this sign up here this morning, be here now. I was at one of my friend's house and he had this sign in his house and I asked him about it. I said, what's up with the sign, be here now? He said, Andy, what I find myself doing is when I'm at home, I find myself thinking about work. 
or thinking about other things. And I do this all the time in my life that I'm not, my mind is not where my body is at. And so I put this sign up to remind me to be here now. And that's what Jesus did is he stopped. Wherever he was, he truly was. But oftentimes we don't do that. And so this is just a reminder for us as we go through this message to be here now. We're picking up Mark in the end of chapter 10. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If you don't have a Bible at our information station just outside these doors, there's Bibles there. We'd love to give you one as our gift to you. But if you don't have one now, you can look up on the screen. And this is in Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 46. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, that is, son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. This story is also found in Matthew and in Luke, and their versions are are very similar of the story. This is the last recorded miracle of Jesus' ministry outside of the resurrection, of course, uh, as he's ministering to other people. And you just imagine all the stuff that was on Jesus' mind at this point. I mean, he was getting very close to being separated from his heavenly father, putting on all of our sin on him, and being raised from the dead. You can just imagine everything that was going through his mind. You can imagine what his planner looked like. You can imagine what his schedule looked like. It was very, very busy. So the first couple of verses here again. Then they came to Jericho as Jesus, and his, as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, that is the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. So I want to set up the scene for you a little bit, give you a little bit of the backstory here. This pilgrimage that would have happened, if you could put up the map, uh, they would be traveling uh, down through from Capernaum. They always avoided Samaria. They didn't want to be around those dirty Samaritans. So they go on the other side of the Jordan River and they come down to Jericho as they uh, travel to Jerusalem. Well, they, when they got to Jericho, that was a common place to stop. Jericho is about 846 feet below sea level. And then Jerusalem is over 25 100 feet in elevation. So once they got to Jerusalem, they had a rugged over 3,000 foot climb over about 16 miles that they had to climb up and it was rugged terrain. So many people would stop in Jericho just to catch their breath and be prepared for the journey. It was also a really great place to, st- to stop. You wouldn't think a place like Jericho would be really nice, but here's a picture of modern day uh, Jericho. Uh, and the first century historian, Josephus, he actually called it the city of palms. It's actually one of the most beautiful places in the Middle East. And so many people of wealth, many people that had power, they would actually have vacation homes there uh, in ancient times where they would stop and be able to spend several days or even weeks there in Jericho. And so many people would stop there uh, in, in Jericho as they were heading to 
uh, Jerusalem. And that's exactly what Jesus and his disciples were doing. They were heading there for, for Passover, and they stopped in Jerusalem. Now, along that path, of putting the map back up, along the path there, there would be lots and lots of beggars. Because huge crowds of people would be traveling together. And they always traveled in crowds together because there was lots of bandits, there were lots of robbers, there were lots of people that wanted to take their money. And so they would travel in these large crowds. And it wasn't, it wasn't uncommon for them to see beggars along the way because they knew that these large crowds, uh, they would have some wealth, they would have the means to be able to travel and plus, a lot of the rich people were going to Jericho to go to their vacation homes. And so they would uh, sit along the path and then they would beg. This beggar was a little bit different. You notice that he was named here, that the people knew who he was. I don't know if he was just one of those famous beggars, one of the people that, that they knew about, but they called him uh, by name. They they, they knew exactly uh, who he was. And the prominent theology of the day was to not help these beggars. Because the prominent theology was that if you were rich, if you had things taken care of, if you had good health, then that meant that God was on your side. That meant that God loved you. That meant that God was caring for you. God was blessing you. But if you were poor, and especially if you had a physical ailment, and that meant that God's curse must be on you because you were a very sinful person. So it was really tough for these beggars to get any type of help. And you can just imagine Bartimaeus, who was blind. I mean, just take a minute right now and just close your eyes. Close your eyes. I mean, imagine living your life like that in ancient times. I mean, there was no Braille. There was no special uh, ways to be able to, to read or uh, to be able to function as a normal person in society. And Bartimaeus wouldn't have been able to function. He had no way to be able to provide uh, for himself and, and he, would no, he had no way to be, able to, to be able to survive without begging. Now, because of that prominent theology that, that these beggars deserved what they got, uh, they stopped him or they tried to stop him from shouting, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. I love this. I love that he was so persistent. The Greek word for shouted there actually means to screech like a crazy person. And you imagine that's how Bartimaeus felt. He felt that this is my only chance because he had had crowds go by him, probably hundreds, if not thousands of crowds go by him over the years. But he knew this crowd was different. I mean, you can just picture the buzz. There's a buzz about this crowd. This crowd was the crowd of the Messiah, the Messiah that was going to establish the new kingdom. And many of them thought, the new kingdom in Jerusalem, the political kingdom. And so they were really excited to see what Jesus was about to do. So you can just imagine he, he heard the buzz, this buzz about Jesus of Nazareth. And it's interesting that he's called that here because when Philip is talking to Nathaniel uh, in, in uh, the first chapter of John, he says, Jesus of Nazareth, nothing good comes from Nazareth. And the original Hebrew, Nazareth, comes from the word netzer, which means root or shoot or branch. And we see that as part of the prophecy in Isaiah chapter 11. It says, then a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse, and a branch from its roots will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and strength, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. 
And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. And he will not judge by what his eyes see, nor make a decision by what his ears hear. But with righteousness, he will judge the poor and decide with fairness for the afflicted of the earth. It's really interesting seeing that prophecy and then seeing him actually helping the afflicted, actually using his sight to help someone that couldn't see. And he stopped. Verse 49, what a powerful verse. And you probably read it many times like I did and just skipped over it or you were in such a hurry that you didn't realize how powerful a verse it was. But it says, Jesus stopped and said, call him. The original Greek word for that word stopped actually means stopping with a purpose. And that's what we need to do also in our lives is that with all of the hurry, all of the rush, that we need to stop with a purpose because we value people, we care for people. Oftentimes we see people as a hindrance, these annoying people in our lives, these annoying people in our workplace, these annoying people at school. They're just a hindrance in my life, but Jesus didn't see people as a hindrance. With all of the things that, were going, that was going on in Jesus' life at the time, as he was going to Jerusalem to face what he was going to face, a painful and awful and terrible suffering and death, he still took time. He stopped. Be here now. That's what Jesus did. He was right there in the moment and said this, call him. What an interesting thing for Jesus to say. I mean, Jesus was right there. Why didn't he just say, come on over. Come on over, Bartimaeus. Come on over, beggar. I think this is such an interesting thing that he used other people in ministry. And he's still doing the same now. I mean, how much does Jesus need me for his kingdom? I mean, how much does he need me to reach people in St. John's County? How much does he need you? I mean, does, does he need us? I mean, I know at least in my case, he can do far better on his own than by using me, but he chooses to use us with our giftedness for his glory. And that's what he does here too, is that he uses his disciples to call the man over. And so they call to the blind man, cheer up on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. You can just picture that, can't you? I mean, this guy who's probably been blind for his entire life now gets called by Jesus, the one that can do something about his blindness. And of course, he just rips up his cloak and he runs to Jesus. He's so excited. He can't wait to see what Jesus is going to do. And Jesus asks a very interesting question. What do you want me to do for you? This is the same exact question he asked just earlier of James and John when after he was pouring out his heart about what the death that he was going to uh, see on the cross was after he poured all that out, James and John, they wanted to know who was gonna be first and second in command in the kingdom. That's what they wanted. And when, they, when Jesus asked them that question, the answer was no. But this time he asked the same question. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Now, of course, we would think that's exactly what the answer to the question would be. But oftentimes as a pastor, when people ask me, what do you, what do you want? When I ask them, what do you want me to do for you? When they come to the office, what do you want me to do for you? Oftentimes, it's not about, hey, how can I know Jesus? 
How can I have eternal life? Oftentimes it's, how can I have mercy money? I'm, I'm really struggling financially. And we're here as a lighthouse to, to help people in that. And there's nothing, nothing wrong with that. But maybe Jesus thought that that's what the beggar was going to say. I think it was an asking the question to see what type of faith the man had. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Because Jesus took the time and stopped. Because he valued this man. This man was healed and he immediately followed Jesus. A couple of things about that verse. When you look, at, when you look in the original languages, healed actually is the same word as saved. So Jesus healed him, Jesus saved him. And the word that's used for followed means that he not only followed him in that moment, but he also followed him for the rest of his life. This man was forever changed because Jesus stopped. Do you know Jesus? Do you know him? See, this story of Bartimaeus is my exact story of my life. See, I was blind in my sin. And every single one of us was blind in our sin. And we need Jesus to heal us from our sin, to heal us from our blindness. And so we have these booklets, these Do You Know booklets that are available outside the doors and at the information station and in the lobby. And I just want to walk through it with you because I want to show you, one, how easy it is to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and be healed of your spiritual blindness. I also want you to see that you can use this as a tool with your friends and neighbors and how easy it is to walk through the gospel with someone. And so it's a Do You Know booklet in the front. It talks about the bad news, the bad news of the spiritual blindness that we have, just like Bartimaeus had, that we've all sinned against God and that the wages of sin is death and we're, we all fall short and we all are in big trouble, just like Bartimaeus was. And the penalty of sin is eternal death, separation from God and all good things. That the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The bad news is that we've all sinned and we are in big trouble. But the story doesn't end there. That there's good news. Just like Bartimaeus wasn't stuck in his sin, wasn't stuck in his blindness, there's good news for us too. That God became man in the person of Jesus Christ. John says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory. Glory is the, the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. That Jesus died on the cross and he rose from the dead. And that he offers us the free gift of eternal life. All of our local heroes came down here this morning and received a free gift. The free gift of eternal life is just as easy to receive. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. It's a free gift. See, the wages of sin is death, but it's the free gift of, of God's eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so our part is to put our faith. Jesus is asking, what do you want me to do for you? And he can save us if we just admit that we are sinners. That he died on the cross and rose for us. And that we commit our lives to Christ as Savior and Lord. I know many of you this morning have never done that. And I want to give you a chance right now to do it. I want to say this prayer for you. And it's not about the prayer. It's not about the words that I say. It's about you trusting in Jesus just like Bartimaeus did. If you pray with me. Lord Jesus, I've sinned against you in many ways. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose from the dead. Forgive me of all my sins and give me the gift of eternal life. Come into my life as Savior and Lord. Help me become the person that you want me to be. Amen.
If you did that for the first time, I want to say welcome to the kingdom of God. I'm so grateful that you put your faith and trust in Christ. And if you would mark that on your card so that we know that you did that so we can help you grow in your faith as you start this journey with Jesus. I know many of you have put your faith in Christ already. And so we really want to practice the art of stopping. And the way that we practice the art of stopping is by being here now, by being where, uh, where our bodies are, that our minds would be there, that we would value people. There is a story of this politician whose platform was all about helping the poor. And he had done uh, lots of things uh, trying to, to show that he was helping the poor, and a lot of it was just a show. And so one of the, the poor people uh, that were in his community heard about this, and they wanted to go hear him talk. And so, excuse me, so they went to hear him talk, and he talked all about helping poor people. And so he wanted to go and talk to the politician after the, after the message. And so he went up, and his handlers stopped him. And the guy said, I just, I just want to talk to him about helping people like me and the handler said, well, now that he's started helping poor people, he doesn't have time to talk to poor people. And the man said, I'm so glad that God isn't like that. Aren't you so glad that Jesus isn't like that? Aren't you so glad that Jesus has time to stop for spiritually poor people like you and I? Aren't you so glad that he had time for Bartimaeus and has time for us? And so we should model that in our lives. So we're gonna model it imperfectly, but we need to be present where we're at. I can't tell you the amount of times I go to lunch with someone and they keep their phone out. And every time there's a text message that comes through, every time there's a, a phone call that comes through, I wonder, am I more important than that text? Am I more important than that phone call? And so many times people will see their phone ring and you know what they say? I have to take this. I have to take this. Now, this is gonna blow some of the next generation's mind, but there was a time not so long ago, where I left my house in the morning and go play with my friends and my parents said, just be back before the streetlights come on and I wouldn't have a cell phone. <gasps> Can you believe it? I didn't have a cell phone. You know what? Nobody had a cell phone. And there were lots of time where you couldn't be reached. Now, I know some of you think there's no way that could happen. I'm so important that I have to be reached all the time. More important than Jesus? See, see, Jesus stopped. So one of the ways we can practice the art of stopping this week is when you go out to lunch with someone or you're in a meeting with someone, just tell them, say, I value you enough that I'm gonna put my phone away. For the next hour, I'm not gonna look at my phone. I'm just gonna concentrate on being here now and being in our conversation together. Somebody said that to me once at a lunch and it was unbelievably impactful for me because what it said to me was, I value you, Andy. I wanna be here now and whoever's calling me, I'll get to them afterward. But for the next hour, I can actually concentrate on our conversation. You know, when you go home, that there, may, there may be things that, that you need to do so that you can be uh, in your family, that you can be present in your family and so you can shut it down. And listen, I struggle with this too. It's a really difficult thing to practice the art of stopping, but it's so vital because if we're not showing people that they're important enough for us to stop, how are we ever gonna show them Jesus? 
We're the ones that have the cure for death. We have Jesus. The church is being used by Jesus to have people be reached for him. And so we need to be able to stop. We need to be here now. And when we stop, we need to be kind. If, if we don't take time to stop for people, then we're never going to have an opportunity to be kind. And I'm blown away by how my kids teach me all the time about how to be closer to Jesus. We were driving home uh, from dinner one night, and we had a bunch of leftover food in the car from dinner. And uh, we were driving on US-1, and there was a homeless guy sitting on the side. And honestly, I didn't even think twice about it. I just drove right by. I'm going home. My daughter said, hey, Dad, we have extra food. Why don't, why don't we stop? Why don't we stop? And even when she said that, this compassionate pastor of yours thought, ah, I already drove by him and have to do a U-turn and go back. This is what's going through your spiritually mature pastor. And my daughter said, no, we should stop. And so we did. We turned around and we, we blessed this man in, in that moment. And it all came from my daughter being kind and wanting to stop. And so when we practice the art of, of stopping, we can really impact people that are in need. So we want to be present, we want to be kind, and we want to be brave. That in those moments when we are actually stopping for people and actually acknowledging them and giving them value uh, and showing them that they're important and we're being kind and they finally ask you, like, why are you being like this? You know, most people rush around and you actually have time to, to sit and listen to me and you're actually being kind to me. Why is that? That's when we need to be brave. We need to actually speak up about how Jesus has impacted our lives and how we want to impact others because that's the last part of practicing the art of stopping is that we get to be Jesus. And we're going to do it very imperfectly, but most people in our lives, the only Jesus they're going to see is us in their lives. And so we have to practice the art of stopping by being his ambassadors and that's why we give you those studies, that we want you to grow in your faith. We want, you, we want it to be just more than just coming here an hour during the week. We want you to be in small group where we're opening up these studies and, and talking about it together. We want you to be impacted by his word. We want you to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that we can actually practice the art of stopping and influence our community. Listen, if, if we're going to continue to reach and transform people by the power of the gospel and biblical community, I believe one of the most impactful ways that we can do that is by being here now, by practicing the art of stopping, by seeing that that's what Jesus did, is that he valued people so much that he stopped to care for them. He stopped to love them. He stopped to be able to give them the freedom that could only be found in him. So let's practice the art of stopping. Let's be a presence with people. Let's be kind to people. Let's show them Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I'm so grateful that you stopped for me. I'm so grateful that even in my sin, even in my suffering, even in my shame, that you died for me, that you rose from the dead, victorious, so that I could have victory too. Lord, none of that would have happened if you didn't stop to care about your people. And so I pray, God, that we would practice the art of stopping this week, that we would 
care for people, that we would ask for forgiveness when we need to, that we would grant forgiveness easily, that we would be kind to others, and that we would be brave, that we would share your word with people, that we would let people know what you're doing in our lives, that we would impact this community. But it starts with us, Lord. Impact us in our lives. Help us to stop and rest in you and go out and impact others. In Jesus' name, amen.